Hi, this is Chad Dull. Welcome to my Poverty Informed Podcast. This week, I'd like to talk a little bit about staying on task. Um, in higher education, uh, at least in the 20 years I've been involved, we have a tendency to be distracted by the shiny object or the newest thing coming down the pike. Um, and I think the work we're doing with poverty uh, needs to stay going um, and probably needs to be resistant to fads, or at least my version of it is. And uh, this week, I was going to talk about uh, how I kind of stay focused that way. Um, I did have someone ask me last week uh, after they listened to my podcast, and thank you, anybody that does, uh, whether I was writing about my current or speaking about my current college. Uh, and honestly, I'm not. Uh, I'm still new enough in my new job that most of the stories I'm telling are from prior experience. But I think the lessons are applicable across the board. Um, I've had a really positive last week and a half where I got to speak uh, at a keynote for a college in Wisconsin, and then for our breakout session at a student leadership conference in Minnesota. And um, both of them were pretty well received. Uh, it feels like this message about trying to make the world a little fairer for those who have been left out um, is one that people are willing to hear. So this week I'd like to share something I wrote uh, last January called Poverty Informed Practice in Higher Education, A Long Obedience. For anything to be really amazing, there has to be a long obedience in the same direction. Sometimes I turn to great philosophers, and sometimes I just turn to Bono. Several years ago, I was addicted to a show on the Sundance Channel called Spectacle with Elvis Costello. It was this great show where Elvis interviewed and performed with amazing musicians. And that week was Bono and the Edge from U2. Now their music was fun, but they also spent a lot of the show in conversation, and when the topic turned to Bono's social activism, his response has stuck with me since 2010 when I heard it. He said, for anything to be really amazing, there has to be a long obedience in the same direction. I'm not sure he was even really talking about what I thought, but the phrase really hit home. He referenced the philosopher Nietzsche, and the internet tells me that he was paraphrasing a much longer quote, but I love the sentiment. Nothing amazing happens unless we find our North Star and stick to it relentlessly. Let me give you a few examples. A while back, I had an interesting exchange with a coworker. She was lamenting that the college I worked at didn't want to financially support her efforts to provide food in her area and asked me about the food we provided in my area. I told her that actually I simply went shopping every Sunday and over time, we had a number of people who decided to donate to the bowl, which is what our students called our grab-and-go food. Her response to me was, well, that's not sustainable. I wish I'd been more reflective when I said, I've been sustaining it for nine months. Because what I really meant was questions of sustainability weren't going to stop me from this thing that seemed necessary. We started the bowl as a sort of act of faith, and that seemed to matter. A long obedience in a direction yields results. Initially, the bowl was just a personal reaction to hearing a student say he didn't want a classroom snack because he'd trained his body not to eat. 
and it was worth some personal expense for me and others to make sure that didn't happen again. But over time, the bowl became a concrete thing people could do, and people from across my college began to supply it as well. We would go through four to five bowls of snacks a day, and it really was a culture changer. Now someone challenged me that just buying food was easy and maybe it let people off the hook. But I disagree, it was another step in a long obedience. Now this work has not been without internal strife. As I tried to move from philosophical ideas to concrete action, it could get uncomfortable. There were meetings that put us in difficult places and the folks I worked with didn't always agree on exactly what to do. But there were signs of hope and progress everywhere. Now, no one would take credit for it, but after a very difficult meeting with some very challenging behaviors, a printout of an amazing tweet from Dr. Donna Beagle mysteriously appeared over the copy machine in a space where people would see it every day. And it simply said, imagine what it feels like to stand in front of a fellow human being and share with them that you don't have money for food, rent, or gas to get where you need to go. Imagine they don't even look up. Imagine that they finally do and tell you they cannot help you and walk away. Now, I don't know for sure, but this photocopy of the tweet, I think, was in response to one of those difficult meetings and someone's feelings of frustrations with others. Now, as we moved in the same direction, one of our guiding principles was empathy. Now, not sympathy, but empathy and an absence of judgment. Whoever made the choice to put that tweet in our daily view understood this, and I was inspired. A long obedience in the same direction won't always be linear or smooth, but that daily reminder kept me and I suspect others on track. Now speaking of empathy, it's essential in work like this. And while the topic of proximity is probably worthy of an individual discussion, I'd still like to touch on it today. If I were designing a poverty-informed college, or anything, from scratch, I would make sure no one had a job that didn't include contact with students. You see, if you don't have contact with the people you serve, it's far too easy to keep your distance and see the people you serve as other. And honestly, of all the work I've been doing, changing that dynamic would be the first and most fundamental thing I would do if I had a magic wand. Over the last year, I personally made a concerted effort to connect with students. Now, some of my faculty in good-natured ways made fun of me for talking about the same three students all the time, but it was really transforming. No longer was there an ability to fall back on administrative platitudes about being patient and trying to make sure we have systems in place before we make changes. Of course, we try to avoid unintended consequences, but I don't think we have the luxury of waiting to have things perfected. Now, if you doubt this, you could look up uh, GAO report. Um, by the way, kudos to my uh, friend, the amazing Sarah Goldrick Rabb, for her long obedience to get the federal government aware of reality. The GAO report was referenced in an article from The Atlantic called Millions of College Students Are Going Hungry. When you read something like that and you know the truth and you stay connected with students and feel empathy, your tolerance for incremental change gets pretty low. I am not in pursuit of half measures. I am in pursuit of something amazing. I am committed to a bias for action and for fighting on the dual fronts of alleviating conditions today and changing systems so those conditions go away.
The commitment to being poverty-informed means we won't allow our students to be strangers who may or may not be ready to access what we have to offer. Instead, those same students become partners who we work with relentlessly and unconditionally as they pursue their dreams. They become people we sit beside and we realize their situation could be ours, but for an accident of birth or a twist of fate. With that reality in mind, it becomes intolerable to leave all that potential sleeping in storefronts and in cars. It becomes intolerable to think the student in front of you might not have eaten today. It becomes impossible to send someone away until they are ready. When you reach a place like that in your heart, the direction becomes clear, and the long obedience in that direction continues. Thank you.